0: Hi, and welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beit Midrash. I'm Rabbi Avi Killip, Executive Vice President at Hadar, and I'm so excited to be your host. Each week this year, we will hear a Dvar Torah from Hadar Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Aviva Richman. Let's listen.
1: Leaning in with reckless compassion. What is the tone of Yehuda's approach to Yosef in the first moment of this Parsha? Midrash offers three different angles, an approach for war, an approach for appeasement, or an approach for supplication. While these may seem very different from each other, and indeed they are first presented as a three-way disagreement, we then see a harmonistic opinion that Yehuda was ready for all of them, for whatever the moment demanded. The idea that Yehuda approached for war is the most surprising of these three, especially since the Torah's intended tone seems to be supplicatory rather than violent. Yet, some of our earliest biblical interpretations dramatically expand on this theme of Yehuda stepping up to fight Yosef, where Vayigash is taken as an indication of aggression. Yehuda becomes mighty like a lion, he opens his mouth like a lion roaring. In a Midrash that picks up on this early tradition, the phrase that encapsulates Yehuda's respect and submissiveness in the Torah, ki kamocha keparo, for you are like Pharaoh, becomes a derogatory insult. What it means to be like Pharaoh is to issue a decree that won't be fulfilled. Pharaoh will later decree that all Israelite boys would die, but they did not. Yosef decrees that he will keep Binyamin as a slave. But Yehuda asserts he will not be able to. Like Yosef is second in command to Pharaoh, Yehuda presents himself as second in command to his father, the ruler of the land of Canaan. He essentially presents his opening stance for war between Canaan and Egypt, ready to draw his sword and kill everyone in Egypt, including Yosef and Pharaoh, to get his brother back. In response to Yehuda's threat of violence, Yosef calls to Manasseh, and one stomp of his foot makes the whole palace tremble. Suddenly, supplication looks like a more appealing tactic, and Yehuda shifts course. In these early traditions, Yehuda's initial approach is definitively a fighting stance. Only afterwards does he back down into a supplicatory mode. It might seem that Yehuda's violent stance is at odds with the two other approaches we see in Midrash, appeasement and prayer. But counterintuitively, these tactics might actually align. When Breshit Rabba relates Yehuda's initial stance of aggression, it closes by pointing out how Yehuda's words were meant to appease Yosef, his brothers, and Binyamin all at once. Not only his supplication, but perhaps also Yehuda's anger and passion and his willingness to defend Binyamin even by force, may be exactly what Yosef needs to hear. To be reassured of a change of heart. In this entirely irrational fantasy of Yehuda going to war with all of Egypt to save his brother, Yosef might hear echoes of a different, unarticulated fantasy Yehuda wishing he could do whatever it would take to get his other brother, Yosef, back. We find the word Vayigash and the same threefold Midrashic interpretation when Avraham approaches God to argue on behalf of Sidon earlier in Breshi. on the one hand this makes sense linguistically both Yehuda and Abraham are speaking up to power with a specific request but it is not totally coherent to compare Yehuda approaching another person and Abraham approaching God particularly incoherent is what it would mean for Abraham to approach God for war Was Abraham really ready to fight God? What form would that battle take? With what weapons? And towards what ends? Taking the lessons from the reading of Yehuda's approach, perhaps it means that Abraham too was articulating that he was ready to do whatever it would take to defend Sodom, even if that meant taking up arms against God. And perhaps this is exactly what God wanted to hear, the depth of Abraham's compassion even to the point of irrational recklessness. Yehuda musters this reckless compassion for his brother, qua brother, as someone who is, quote, one of the tribes and has a share in our inheritance. The extent to which he is ready to fight for Binyamin is exactly what indicates to Yosef that he is treating Binyamin like a brother. Strikingly, Avraham holds the same reckless compassion for total strangers. The richness of these moments are not merely meant as dramatic scenes in the extended narrative of Breshi. We are supposed to learn from Yehuda and Avram's threefold posture of approaching every time we step forward in prayer. When we take three steps forward, approaching God before the Amidah, we can tap into the same urgency and sense of high stakes as Yehuda preparing to wield his sword. Or, as the Talmud describes Hannah, We have to be ready to sling our words of prayer at God like arrows coming out of the bow that is our lips. In this fighting stance, we step into a role of caring passionately about the world around us and being on the alert for unfairness and injustice as inheritors of Avram's covenant of Tzedakah Umishpat. We might ask, who am I to go to battle for all of this every single day? According to the Hasidic master, the Sfat Emet, Abraham was plagued by the same question. He points out that we rarely see Abraham praying to God because mostly he was too humble to pray. The Sfat Emet teaches that when Abraham heard of the impending destruction of Sodom, he had to approach for war against himself, not sure if it was worth opening his mouth in prayer because of a sense of his own inadequacy and smallness. He triumphed over his inner instinct to keep quiet because he was overcome by his sense of compassion. Yehuda, as well, may have been racked by guilt and a sense of inadequacy when defending Binyamin because he knew that he failed as a brother before. But this does not stop him when he has to act out of necessity. Avram and Yehuda both represent stepping up with whatever it takes, not out of self confidence, but from a sense of responsibility to do what the moment calls for even when we personally don't feel up to the task. We learn from the use of the word Vayigash that our posture towards others and towards God inform each other. Perhaps daily prayer is about cultivating the stance of leaning in to the claims our lives and our world make on us. We might feel too small or too flawed or that the problem is too large. We might feel like daring to express love and investment is a reckless risk doomed for failure and disappointment. Even so, we take three steps forward. May our readiness to put up our best fight yield unexpected receptivity and graciousness. And even if it doesn't, encoding the stance of Vayigash into our daily lives teaches us that the only thing to do each day is to step up yet again. We'll close with a Lechad by Deborah Saxman.
0: Lechado Didi, lika kala P'nei Shabbat nekabela Lechado Odi lika kala P'nei Shabbat nekabela Sh'amor v'zachor bedibu me, I know, kill me. You had a shammer had a shimmo. A shamble tea fair and velitilla. Lehado de carcala penishamba necabella. The cat gala Pin a